This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, yes, off and running on this Saturday, October 28th. Hey there, welcome in. Good morning and welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. How's everybody feeling today? How's everybody doing? I mean, man, do we have enough to talk about today? The answer, of course, to that is yes. Yes, we do. And we can do it by the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. Most importantly, right here. What was that? What was that? What, what, why is that the sound effect? It's a cannon. Uh-huh. We're letting off the cast today. Like this. We're running off the what today? The cannon. It's a cannon. Why are we using a cannon? Because it's going to be an explosive t- show today. All right. Is I, it I not? Mean, you might want to inform me that we're going to be running the cannon at some point before the show and these conversations that we have before the show. But okay, I, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I'm a little surprised by it, but okay. Yeah. Most importantly, where you can uh, hear me right here on your radio till noon. Before we got derailed by the cannon, let's start. I guess where we'll start is with the most pressing, because I will be honest with you. Over these next three hours, I am going to need your help. And really, they always say the first step of getting help is admitting you need help. And I need help. I need your help. Maybe Joe can help. Maybe Harvey can help. Although Harvey's already showing that he's not... He's going to be the opposite of helping. He's going to be hurting. But I need your help because there's a lot of conversations that take place in the course of the week. And sometimes I agree with them. Sometimes I disagree with them. But this week, there's been some very odd conversations surrounding the New York Giants. There were two specific narratives surrounding the Giants this week. And I need your help to help them make sense. Because they don't to me. The first one was A, or number one, quarterback questions. And it was somewhere along the lines of, are the Giants a better team with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback? No question the offense has looked better with Tyrod Taylor than it did with Daniel Jones. But that was the first one. Are the Giants a better off uh, team with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback? The second one, otherwise known as B in the equation. The win against Washington saved the Giants' season, and it's now no longer crazy to think about the possibility of a playoff run, or at least meaningful games down the stretch of the season. So those are the two that that came up this week as a result of the win against Washington and getting ready for Jets and Giants on Sunday. So I would, I would just simply ask, and why I need help is, which one is it? Which one is it? Because both those things cannot be true. In fact, I would make the argument neither of them are true. The Giants are 2-5. and five. Are, the, are, are the standings that I'm looking at incorrect for something? The Giants are 2-5, and five, correct? Those two wins came against the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders. Okay, right? Uh, these, are, these are facts. These are not disputable. You're 2-5, and five and your wins came against Arizona and Washington, and 
let's be honest, those wins came right down to the wire. You barely beat both those teams, and those are the only wins you have this year. When you're ranking the teams in the NFC, based on where they sit on Saturday, October 28th at 9.06 in the morning, at best, the Giants right now are 12th. They're in a tie for 12, 13, 4. There's like three teams right there. The only teams that you would say are behind the Giants in the NFC standings, if we're talking about playoffs or meaningful games, Arizona and Carolina. <laughs> That's the list. And again, both those wins came right down to the wire. And outside of the Arizona game, Take that one out because it seems kind of like an outlier. Pretty clearly an outlier based on the offense. The offense in the other seven games the Giants have played this year, they're averaging nine points. Nine. Well, we we played really well against Buffalo. Yes, but you lost. You lost. So the idea... The narrative that the giant that was a season-saving win against what what are you what are you talking about? Well, they survived with the season on the line. That's the turning point of the season. Again, help me. Help me allow me to see how it makes sense to you on whatever planet you were living on. That the giant season was saved, or this is a turning point. You scored an offensive touchdown for the first time since week three. When it's week seven last week, and you score a touchdown, an offensive touchdown for the first time since week three, I don't know. It seems like turnarounds or season-saving. It seems kind of premature. It almost seems like you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. When you're sitting at two and five, And by all metrics and measures, you've been one of the worst-looking teams in the entire sport. So that's the second part of the... We'll go back to the first part now. Then there's the quarterback. That Tyrod Taylor is better than Daniel Jones. Well, you'd have to admit that the offense has looked better with Tyrod Taylor than it did with Daniel Jones. Mainly because, at least with Tyrod Taylor, it's not looked like an absolute dumpster fire now I think there are factors in that that have allowed it to look better with Tyrod Taylor than with Daniel Jones there it's not exactly the same situation it's not like you plucked Daniel Jones out and you threw Tyrod Taylor in and everything else remained the same the offensive line has has gotten a little bit better and and Saquon Barkley has been back right you lost him in the Arizona game and um, you, you didn't get him back here until recently and Daniel Jones really hasn't played with Saquon Barkley, so that's, uh, I think, a major factor. If you're talking about him being the engine of the offense, they didn't have an engine. So it's a little unfair to blame that on Daniel Jones when it wasn't his fault that Saquon Barkley wasn't there. And I would say, I, I think that why it kind of looks that way, that Tyrod Taylor could be, or at least a conversation that he, he might be better, you, you might be better off with him than Daniel Jones, I think Taylor is the classic case of he's got a safer floor but not as high a ceiling, right? Like he's not going to make the the game-altering mistake, whereas with Daniel Jones, I think overall 
he, there's a, a greater range of outcomes, right? He could be a lot better, but he also could be a lot worse. But the problem with it, all of this is, 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 is not really the important part. The important part is if you're having a conversation, whatever quarterback, Daniel Jones, Zach, whoever, where you're talking about your franchise quarterback and he might not be better than Tyrod Taylor, then you got there's a far bigger problem there, and it really doesn't have anything to do with Tyrod Taylor. If you're talking about a 34-year-old backup who's played on five teams the last six years and has not been a starter for 2017, and there's any scenario where he might be better than the guy you're paying to be your franchise quarterback, well, then you got a problem with your franchise quarterback. That's a problem. And it's a problem for the Giants because it seems like they're on the hook for Jones for next year, too. And, and now are becoming more non, at least uh, Brian Dable seemed to be more non-committal yesterday about Jones returning this season. It's a complete mess. So if, if you're having the conversation, the fact that you're having the conversation of who are we better off with? Are we better off with Tyrod? It's already a problem. It's already a problem. And the Giants right now, it kind of feels like while things might be getting better defensively and things might be getting healthier offensively, it feels like the Giants are just loaded with problems. This is a lost season. And I said this last week, uh, even before the win against Washington, and I'll continue. This is a lost season, and the only thing you can do is make it worse. And for all the talk about, well, you know, the schedule gets easier, the schedule still contains the Cowboys and the Eagles twice. I mean, what are we talking about? You don't get to make it out like your season's not over when you're sitting at 2-5 and five and you're playing your backup quarterback and he might be better than your starting quarterback. And if it is true that there's some questions about whether or not Daniel Jones is going to return this season at all, well, I, I mean, how could you make it any more clear with the trade deadline quickly approaching, the Giants should be looking to sell off whatever pieces that they can. This team is in need of, a, of an overhaul. And the worst thing you could do is to have another fraudulent season. One that's not going to be as good as last year. And last year, it was fraudulent, but at least you got a playoff spot. You got a playoff win. Like, what a fraudulent year this year would look like is like seven wins. So you're not in the playoffs, you're not really in the playoff conversation, but you're also not bad enough to have one of the top three, four, five picks in the draft. It makes no sense whatsoever. So I know that they've come out this week, Brian Dable came out this week and said, oh, trading Saquon Barkley, that's not happening. What are we doing? What are you talking about? Where do you see this team going the rest of this year and into the future? This thing's got to get turned around. And look, this is a lost season. So I'm not going to – bad teams have one of three problems. They got a coaching problem, they got a talent problem, or they got a quarterback problem. I think it's clear the Giants have a talent problem. They very well might have a quarterback problem. And I'll leave the coaching part of it out. But unless they get those first two kind of turned around, what this looks like now, it's not going to turn around anytime soon. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. So help, help me make sense of it, because it makes no sense to me. 
So coming up, we'll see if anybody uh, can help me, can explain it to me so that it makes sense. But we also have to get into the New York Jets. I was thinking about the Jets this week. You realize the Jets this week, maybe more so this week than in any other week so far this season, they are taking on their greatest nemesis, their greatest foe of all time. And it's not the Giants that I'm talking about. So coming up, I'll explain who the Jets' greatest nemesis is and how they can finally maybe overcome it this weekend. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, coming up tomorrow, big game for the Jets, and I don't really think it's a a big game for the Giants. Giants got to do a whole lot more to make this uh, a, a big game. And to me at this point, there's two ways that this Giants season can go. It can go really bad, and they could be one of the worst teams record-wise, or it could be fraudulent. And last year was fraudulent. But this year, it's not even going to be as good as last year's fraudulent. At least last year's fraudulent, you got something out of it. Now, you got exposed in the end, and, and certainly this year we've seen that, that last year was just a complete outlier where things just kind of broke right for a change, and you had this once-in-a-decade a, a kind of run. But it would this year... You know what it would look like? Remember the first year of Adam Gase? The Jets hire Adam Gase. Everybody thinks, oh, boy, what a disaster. And for all the talk about uh, listen to the fans long enough, you'll be sitting with Fans aren't wrong all the time. And that one, man, they nailed it from jump. Well, that year, the Jets got off to a really bad start. But then in the second half of the year, I know that, that included one of those wins against the Giants, right? The, the, I think that was the last matchup that they had against each other, right? Was that the last matchup? I think so. Um, and, and that game kind of spurred a little bit of a turnaround for the Jets where they started that year 1-7, and seven, but they ended up the year 7-9. and nine, So they were in the worst kind of position. They weren't really a playoff team, but they weren't one of the worst teams either. And... I don't remember if people thought, I don't think that they did, that they bought into, hey, we finished 7-9, and nine, that's the jumping off. And no, it wasn't, because the next year they went 2-14. and 14, And if that year continued the way that it, it started at 1-7, maybe the Jets would have moved off of Adam Gase even after that first year. But those wins that they got against the Giants, they had a win against the Dolphins by a point. They, um, I think they beat the Bills the final week of the regular season. That kind of it kind of um, left a, a false impression that they were better than what they were, and then the next year you got to see that they weren't better than they were. But this week for the Jets, I do think is a big game for the Jets. Coming off the the win against the Eagles, the defense playing well, back at three and three, the coaches talking a big game about their defense embarrassing everyone. But this week, and I don't feel like this has gotten nearly enough attention. This week, the Jets face a major nemesis, maybe their biggest nemesis, and it ain't the Giants. What they face this week is optimism. The Jets' biggest obstacle is optimism. Whenever things seem like they're going really well, whenever the Jets have some positivity and, and, and feelings are high and excitement is high, this time it's going to be different. It never is. That's, that's when it's time to jump off the bandwagon. Just when things start to seem like they're going in the right direction. Like last year, perfect example. Last year, they get off to the rough start. Zach's hurt to start the year. 
They they get a couple wins, and then they beat Green Bay. They go to Denver. They win that game, but they lose Brees Hall. Then the following week is the, the first. I think that was the first New England disaster. Zach Wilson. Then they had another New England disaster, and they turned to Mike White, and then the whole season just kind of imploded. Even this year, right? Positivity, super, super high coming into the season. This is going to be different. Aaron Rodgers, boom. And what's the, what is the talking point surrounding the Jets, right? Same old Jets. Same old Jets. Whenever things go wrong, of course this is what, it looked like things were going to go really well, and it didn't. What happened? Same old Jets. And this week is a, a perfect spot. Three and three, rebounding after what looked like a disastrous season after Rodgers goes down. You start out one and three. You win a couple of games. And now there's playoff talk. There's division talk. And this is the prototypical letdown of the say. I mean, it's textbook. If you went into a, a sports lab and came up with a scenario where you would have a typical jet letdown facing off against a giant team that's go going absolutely no place. You're the better team in, in just about every area. Like, there's no area where you would say, boy, the Giants are so much better than the Jets there. I think the Jets are better in most areas. And even when they're not, like, if you're talking like individual spots, like the running game, well, the Giants have Saquon Barkley. I don't know. Brees Hall might be just as good. So this is the prototypical kind of letdown spot for the Jets. And let's be clear before we get too deep into the show. There is no way the Jets should lose this game. Is that fair? If, the, if all the talk surrounding them right now is true, if they are for real, if their defense is not just good, but I've heard this week their defense is special, well, run through the schedule from now until the end of the year. I don't think you can really make the case that the Jets will have an easier opponent to face off against the rest of the way. I don't think the Jets play a more beatable opponent from now until the rest of the year. Like, there's not even that many contenders. It's the Giants, it's the Raiders, and it's Washington. Those are the contenders. So if you had to line them up, at least the Giants are in the conversation, and they're playing with their backup quarterback. I don't know that the the Raiders, I would think, are probably going to have Garoppolo back by then. Watch now; those guys might just be backup quarterbacks anyway. Uh, Sam Howell, who, who <laughs> I mean, has there ever been a quarterback who takes more sacks than that guy? Dude, get rid of the ball! I, I, I don't know what you're looking at. So, as long as um, Zach Wilson does not blow things up in this game and single-handedly lose you the game, there is no way. And even if that is the case, kind of. It's on the range of, of, of scenarios that can happen. There's no way that the Jets should lose this game. If the Jets lose this game, that is the classic case of the same old Jets. And I've heard a lot, well, if the Jets lose this game, don't talk to me about playoffs. And I kind of agree. They're not mathematically out of it, but it's kind of hard at that point to have a ton of faith that they're going to consistently win games and beat teams that they should. Now, it almost seems like the Jets beat teams that you don't expect them to, but then they'll lose to teams that you figured that they should be. So this is uh, more so than facing off against the Giants. This is the, the, the chance to, at least for now, end the, the, the same old Jets spot. Now, it's not going to end until 
the, the season's over and you make the playoffs if you do or if you win the division, whatever. But this is the first real test of the same old Jets. There's no way that they should, should lose this game. This is a winnable opponent and, and run down the schedule. Who Really, where is there an easier opponent than, than the Giants? I get that the Giants' defense has played better. Their offensive line is still a disaster. Your defense, again, I keep hearing about how it's special and it's one of the best in the league. The, the Giants have made far less defenses look like the best defenses in the league. So if you actually have one of the best defenses in the league, well, then it should look like, oh my God, out of the, it should look like one of the greatest defenses of all time going up against this offensive line and a backup quarterback who's surrounded with not great weapons. Not great weapons. So go out there, win this game, and at least for the time being. Now, if you, if you win this game and you lose to the Raiders, that, that, that same old Jets thing will, will pop up. Or if you lose to uh, the Chargers, the Chargers first and then the Raiders, whatever. There's always a scenario where the same old Jets could pop back up, but at least for now you will stave that off. And, and this is the first time in a while, I would say this is the first time since the opening week of the season before that first game against the Bills where the Jets have had some real optimism based in reality, based here back on planet Earth. So let's see them go and, and translate that into a, a win and a, a, a decisive performance against the team that is playing with their backup quarterback behind a shaky offensive line that is two and five on the season and outside of one game is averaging nine points a game offensively. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get more into uh, week eight in the NFL, Jets and Giants and the excitement building with gangrene. But apparently not everybody's happy. Jets dealing with some unhappy veterans. Oh, what to do, what to do. So we'll tackle that next. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking a lot about the Jets and Giants as we get ready for a big week eight matchup. Big matchup for both teams. And um, look, the, the excitement with the Jets is building. If you get a, To me, these next three games, I don't know how the Jets season is going to go. The Jets are, are very good at just when you think you know what you got, they, 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 they change it up on you. And I have been optimistic about the, the Jets season from jump. We had the algorithm before the year that had them 15-2, and two, and then things, of course, now the algorithm can't predict injuries. Don't be ridiculous. But then the Aaron Rodgers injury happened and, and things went sideways. But even if you remember, even after that injury, we reran the data on uh, ESPN New York, thousands of simulations, and still came up, I think it was either 9.2 or 9.7 wins for the Jets this year. And, and right now, as we're sitting here at 3-3 three and three with those next three opponents, that doesn't seem so uh, outlandish. And at the time, trust me, people thought it was outlandish. People thought, oh, you're nuts. They're going to win three or four games. They have too much talent to do that. But apparently, not everybody on the, the Jets is happy. Un- dealing with some un- unhappy veterans, Dalvin Cook and uh, Carl Lawson, who both made it clear this week that they would be open to a trade if, if one presented itself. Tuesday, I think, right? That's the trade deadline. That's Halloween. And um, the thing that jumps out to me, Dalvin Cook said that he needs more carries. Quote The quote that I have here, the, the more touches I, I get, the better I get as the game goes. I'm still adjusting to that. But the carries I get, I do what I can. You do what you can. 
It's like he's like he's doing you a favor. Well, with the with the carries I get, I, I do what I can. Remember when you heard that the Vikings had cut Dalvin Cook, and you're thinking to yourself, I remember. You think back to yourself, they cut Dalvin Cook. Really, he's a really good back. Why would they do that? Well, I, I think you, you've seen that the, the Vikings. Maybe they haven't gotten everything right, but that one they kind of nailed. So he gets released by the Vikings, and then he spent with what seemed like a, a, maybe a month, maybe six weeks, trying to build up interest. He was visiting the Dolphins. He was visiting the Patriots. He was visiting the Jets, trying to kind of build up a market for himself in an offseason where the, the running trend has been that running backs don't get paid. But he finally he found a team. He found the Jets. The Jets were the team that landed him. People were excited. I mean, again... Optimism, the Jets' greatest nemesis. He found the Jets. And by, again, all metrics and measures, so far this year, he has been awful. He has been terrible. He's averaging 2.8 a carry out of 53 running backs that uh, whatever the sample size is of, I think it's 30 carries on the season. He's 51 of 53. So there's two guys who are averaging less a carry than Dalvin Cook. Almost 25% of his carries have gone for zero or negative yards. Pro football focus ranks him 49th out of 53 running backs. It's kind of hard to believe there's four backs that have been worse. So he would welcome a trade. You know who would really probably welcome a trade is the Jets. They're the ones who, who got stuck with this. And for here to hear him say, "Well, with the carries I get, uh, I do what I can." You do what you can. It, this is not the way it works. You don't get more opportunities hoping for more production. You, it, the first thing that comes is the production, and then that brings about the opportunities. And there was a line in one of the stories. It's unclear how much interest around the league there would be. <laughs> I can tell you how much interest there. There'd be none. <laughs> what? What? There's already. It's hard for for running backs to to find landing spots. There was no interest before the season. He's been dreadful so far in the season. No one else was going to sign him to the contract that he got signed for with the Jets, and now he's dreadful. So I don't know the inner workings of NFL front offices, but yeah, I w- it would seem pretty clear how why there would be not much interest around the league. He's been terrible, and there wasn't any interest before he was terrible. Like when he got released by the Vikings, at least you could kind of delude yourself into thinking, well, you know what? He rushed for 1,000 yards last year. He's still a good back. He's not that old. I think he's, what, 27, 28? Still should have some tread left on the tire. Well, it could not have looked worse. And the other problem for for, for Dalvin Cook, not for for the Jets, is that Brees Hall has looked sensational. So you can't even say, well, it's, it's an offensive line issue. It's an offensive coordinator thing. It's this thing. It's that thing. That one is, is pretty, you're just swapping one player for the other. Like the comparison we were making earlier with Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor, there are variables that are different there. This one, not so much. Not so much. And the Carl Lawson thing is kind of the th- same thing. I mean, he's been dreadful. He's got two pre- quarterback pressures in 73 defensive snaps. He's got no sacks. He's not got no quarterback hits. Is that good? No, it's not good. Out of 127 edge rushers, only four have done less than Carl Lawson has done. Again, 
the, the way it works, it's, this is not like, oh, is it, is it the, what came first, the chicken or the egg? No, you, you don't get more opportunities hoping for more production. Maybe, maybe if the team is going absolutely no place and they're trying to get something out of you, that's not the case that the Jets are in. The Jets are kind of hoping to be going someplace. So you don't get more opportunities hoping for more production. You show more production, and then that might bring about more opportunities. So uh, I, I would not expect, given the, the history of, of Joe Douglas, it doesn't seem like he just kind of cuts bait with guys. He holds on to them, and maybe rightfully so, until something is of benefit. He doesn't just get rid of guys just to get rid of them. But I would think, even though we've seen previous, uh, like Elijah Moore last year, uh, Denzel Mims last year, I don't think that you're going to – I would think it would have been easier to move those guys for something than it would be to move either Dalvin Cook or Carl Lawson this season. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, let's talk a little Knicks. Knicks get their first win of the season last night. They beat the Hawks. Ooh, some anxious moments there. So we'll get into that win. We'll get into the season so far through two games. Lots of stuff to get to. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Well, Harvey, uh, or, or how are we feeling so far through, what, like three segments of the show? There's not been anything canon-worthy? Is that what you're trying to tell me after playing the canon while I was just, like, introducing the show? No, would you like uh, some canon no, father? I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for it. I'm not telling you not to do it. I was wow. just wondering because you played it when the show was just beginning – and, and last week, uh, a lot of the, the, the feedback that I heard from the show was it was very uncomfortable when I kind of called you out last week for, for making um, the point that, like that passive-aggressive point you had about the clock. Can you see the clock where you are? Because I didn't get out on time on one second. So I don't want to go down that road again. I don't want to come off as a jerk. But I was just wondering if, if that was the, the takeaway I should have. You played the cannon to, to start the show off, and then you've not played it since. Have you changed your mind? What? What what what's the thought process there? No, I mean we've had it's been fun. It's been mm-hmm. going good. We're okay. doing well. Uh huh. I don't see. I mean, look. <laughs> Let's be honest. You hit, you just happened to touch a button that you didn't mean to touch, and that's why that cannon. Hundred percent. It was right in front of me. I was like, "What is this cannon SFX?" So thing? let me get this right. You are someone who was running the board for a New York radio show, and you saw a button in front of you, and you said, "What is this button?" While the show was going on. And you just hit it. I see it in front of me again. It's too tempting. Well, look. I mean, I played it. It's mm-hmm. my bad. You jumped on me for no reason. You you, you played a, a sound effect at the beginning of the show that made absolutely no sense. And then you tried to pass it off as if it were the plan going into the show, something that we discussed, which we did not. And now you're admitting you just randomly saw something. You wanted to press a button. You randomly pressed it. I think it added to the segment, honestly. It could have been a lot worse. It really it could, could have been, been a lot, lot worse. worse. Yes. It can always be worse. It could always be worse. If, if the sports teams in this town have taught us anything, things can always be worse. Always be worse. All right. I just wanted to find out because I, I was thinking about it in the break. You know, I haven't heard the canon since I, I basically introduced the show. I, I thought maybe that was a, an indication that I wasn't doing a good job. And by the way, what's wrong with, with uncomfortable anyway? 
What's, What's that? wrong with uncomfortable? Yeah, you said last well, week. Was unco- I, I, I don't stop mind you? uncomfortable if, if 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 I'm not coming off as a, as a jerk. You know, I like to, to to break shoes, break chops a little bit here and there. And I thought that that's what it was last week. It didn't. You know, when 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 Joe's dad is reaching out mid show to say, "Boy, that was uncomfortable." It maybe it didn't land the way that it landed in my mind. So. I'm the first to admit that sometimes the problem is me. I, I have no problems admitting that. What, I, what I'll need, this is just me, what I'll need is for Joe's dad to call into the show. Call into the show? Yes. No, I, don't, I don't think that we have to bother Joe's dad this this early on a Saturday well, what's he doing? Maybe he's got things to do. Maybe he's got errands to run. Who's running errands at, on the 28th of October? I, trust me. You're married. You, you're always running errands. There's always things to do. I'll take your word for it. Before we get into the next, there was there was one other thing that uh, I did want to, to mention uh, about the Jets and Dalvin Cook. The Jets got suckered on Dalvin Cook. You ever hear the line about if you're sitting at the poker table and, and you don't know who the sucker is, the sucker is you? Dalvin Cook was looking for a team. He got cut by the Vikings. It seemed so surprising at the time. Oh, this guy's still, he's still a good running back. He rushed for 1,000 yards last year and was trying to draw demand somewhere from somebody he's visiting this team he's visiting that team nobody was interested in him until the jets finally landed him and uh we see why he was available why he was out there for so long i think part of it was the money he was looking for but the production has just simply not been there so yeah you know when i said that uh the the jets got stuck with him yeah they got they got stuck with dalvin cook and now maybe i don't know maybe they will try to to find somewhere to send him I, I i would not get my hopes up I can't imagine that a highly paid running back who's unproductive and is now kind of complaining about his role in the like where where is there a spot to send a running back who is only going to be productive at least in his mind if he gets a a significant bulk of the carries. I don't think that that situation exists. It was hard enough for him to find a spot even before the season. I think now you're you're, you're kind of stuck with him. All right, let's move on to the Knicks, shall we? Knicks season has opened up. Have you noticed? The Knicks are back. They lose the uh, season opener to the Celtics. Very frustrating game. A game where they led by, what was it, six with about four minutes to go. Unable to seal the deal. And then last night in Atlanta, it kind of felt like deja vu all over again, where they, they led pretty consistently throughout the game. But then down the stretch of the game, kind of felt like they were having issues closing it out. Luckily, the Hawks even had more problems uh, closing it out. But Jalen Brunson... Had eight threes last night. R.J. Barrett a strong night. I think he finished with uh, 26. Dante DiVincenzo, who didn't do much, uh, didn't do anything offensively in the season opener, but uh, had a strong game last night. Another strong performance from uh, from IQ. So the Knicks hold on, and uh, they get the win. So they even their season at 1-1, one and, one, and uh, mostly thank heavens, because I don't know that I would have been able to hold on to my sanity if they had lost that game. Not so much for my own sake, but just, you know, Nick fans, because they came out of the, the season opening loss to the Celtics like it was an outrage that somehow they had lost to one of, if not the best team in the Eastern Conference. How, how dare the Knicks not be able to hold on to that game? And I do think that, and this is with Nick fans, so it's probably impossible for this to happen, but it won't take away from my attempt to, to, to make it happen. And that is that I think that Nick fans might have to adjust what their expectations are. For this season. Knicks are coming off a year last year where they won 47 games and they won the uh, playoff series for the first time in forever. They go into the offseason 
and and really made no major changes. The the DiVincenzo contract, that was the, the one real change that they made. And they're really kind of relying on um, internal improvement, right? Like year two of Brunson, uh, second year in the system, more improvement internally from, from the younger players of, of, of Quickly or Grimes or R.J. Barrett, who's gotten off to a at least through two games, a strong start, which was the opposite of last year where he kind of really struggled uh, at the start of last season. And when you have a, a good season the year before and, and you don't really make any major changes, what you're really relying on is the judgment of the Knicks. You're relying that they're, the way they view themselves is correct and that there's more improvement internally to come and that that's where the improvement's going to come from. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think if you had, uh, if you could give the, the Knicks brass truth serum, I don't know necessarily that they even would, uh, would, would need improvement. If they could have another season uh, of 47 wins and uh, a playoff series win, if, if, if they just simply matched what they did last year, I think they probably signed for that. Because, again, with the Knicks, it's always kind of balancing. It's balancing success. You have to have some success. You can't be, you know, one of the worst teams. You can't be outside of the playoffs and, and hold on to your job if you, if you do that repeatedly. But at the meantime, they're also kind of in a holding pattern, hoping to, to eventually land that superstar. And, and those guys don't really come around all that often. And you could make the argument there has not been any that have really changed teams in, in, the, in the time that, that Leon wrote. Like, how many superstars do you really think that there are in the NBA? There's not, that, there's not 50 of them. There's not 30 of them. There's not 20 of them. There's probably like 10 guys who are really, truly superstars. So it's going to be, you're always kind of trying to balance the two things. Now, they did a good job of it last year. Two years ago, not so much. And they have to have some, they have to be able to, to, to hold it in terms of the, 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 the production while they wait for that, that big move to come along. And I'll be honest with you, maybe it's just because I'm a, a Nick fan of a certain age and I've heard all the conversation time and time again. It really is kind of harder and harder to envision some, some superstar landing here. That was always the hope when you go out and you get and you put in charge Leon Rose and the former agent. You think that oh he he's going to be the guy who is the uh, the conduit to have that happen, but we're still sitting here and it's great that they've had some success. Year one was a tremendous surprise. Year two was a tremendous step back. Year three was was it looked like things were going sideways, and then all of a sudden Tibbs cuts down the rotation and the success happens and everything else. So that's all well and good, and, and hopefully that's more the same. I would think that the, the fair estimation for the next year, this year, somewhere less than 50 wins, but somewhere more than 500. So if they won 45 games this year and were, you know, five, six seeds somewhere along that line, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily need, and, and I certainly don't expect some big step forward. I know Nick fans are, well, we could be the third seed. It's almost like the situation that you see with the, the Giants this year or maybe the Yankees from this past year, where you have some success, you don't make any massive improvements, and you're expecting the improvement to come from within. Sometimes there are players who have that improvement. But a lot of times you're just kind of in a holding pattern, and I definitely think the Knicks are in that kind of holding pattern. 
So the one name that's come up this year uh, in terms of that's been floated, and I know Giannis is the, the Giannis contract that any Knicks fan anywhere would see that the Giannis contract comes about. Well, I guess he's not coming to the Knicks. He was never coming to the Knicks. I don't know that any superstar is coming here, but if they are, you have to be able to kind of, like, what's the pull for that guy? Like, what was the pull for Giannis? And if the biggest pull is he wants to come to, to New York City, it's been pretty well proven nobody is, is coming to New York City just to come to New York City. The appeal of New York City is not as great as, as people uh, make it out to be. Because if it was that great, it would have happened by now. So the one name that at least seems like it might be possible is Joel Embiid. But here's the thing. The Knicks are not getting Joel Embiid. The only scenario that you could even draw up where it would make any sense whatsoever is that the situation with the Sixers blows up to such a degree that he gets so frustrated that not only does he demand a trade, but he puts his foot down and says, no, no, I don't only want to be traded. I only want to go to the Knicks. So that report that was out there that the Knicks would be willing to offer whatever Randall and and Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett and Evan Fort they would be, newsflash, they would be willing to include Evan Fournier. That was the real headline. They would be, you would be, oh, well, all right. As if the Sixers are sitting back, oh, wait, they're they're willing? Daryl Morey is not going to be trading Joel Embiid. And if if it does come to it, that he's forced, (laughs) he's kind of being forced to train James Harden. He's not doing that either. But if it came to it, that he's being forced to uh, trade Joel Embiid. I, I don't think that Daryl Morey is going to sit back and say, well, you know what? My hands are tied. I'm just going to have to uh, to trade him right up the road to the Knicks. And that's not even getting into all the different parts of, would you be really crazy to be all that pumped up? I, I get it. Embiid is, is the MVP and all that type of stuff. He's going to be 30 this year. He's, got a, he's a big man with a history of leg injuries and foot injuries who's not exactly a primetime performer in the biggest moments come playoff time. So I, I don't know that I would be uh, over the moon. Now, it would actually be a superstar. That would be great. But it just shows you that the superstar route is even harder than it seems like when you've had disappointment after disappointment like the Knicks have had. 